Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'd like to talk about telepathy and psychedelics. You know, uh, there's a long history of telepathy being associated with psychedelic drugs. In fact, back in the early days of ayahuasca research, uh, when researchers felt they had established the active ingredient in ayahuasca, they actually named it telepathine. Now, uh, it was only later that they understood that the same chemical had already been named uh, as harmine or sometimes called harmaline. Uh, but tepalapathine was the original name. And of course, the use of ayahuasca by shamans in the jungles of uh, the Amazon is uh, an environment that might very well promote telepathy. And there's an enormous amount of lore associated with the use of psychedelics promoting psychic experience. Of course, it's very tricky because, uh, I mean, the idea of psychedelics, it means mind manifesting. People describe psychedelics as being like a, a microscope or a telescope looking right into the psyche. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that uh, in terms of opening up the uh, depths of uh, the psychic awareness, the archetypes, the play of uh, forces in the mind that are normally subconscious. That's what typically happens on psychedelics. Uh, Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert and Ralph Metzner originally wrote the psychedelic experience based on their interpretation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, for example, as, as a, uh, a way of exploring. I don't think really they literally meant the Bardo Plains, uh, although I think there's a sense in, in which one could do exactly that, but they weren't thinking of it as psychical researchers. They were thinking of it more as mystics and consciousness explorers. Uh, I've already done a previous monologue about the idea of uh, exploring the Bardo Plains using a disciplined approach that could very well include psychedelics. But with regard to telepathy, uh, my topic for today, I think it's important to point out that uh, all of the experimental effects to try and, uh, under laboratory conditions, demonstrate that uh, the psychedelic drug use fosters telepathic experiences or clairvoyant experiences, the results are negligible. There's much better data for psychic functioning under other conditions, such as uh, the Gansfeld, which uh, is a mildly altered state of consciousness. We've discussed in other videos, it involves, Gansfeld means just a plain field. You're listening to pink noise. You've got ping pong balls in front of your eyes, a uniform auditory and visual field, and you're in a very relaxed circumstance. Basically, relaxation promotes psychic functioning, and psychedelic experiences are often just the opposite of relaxation. However, a very interesting study was published in September 
of this year, September 2020, in the Journal of Scientific Exploration. It was published by Petter Johnstadt, a philosopher at the University of Bergen in Norway. And I'd like to share some of his results with you. He decided simply to interview people who had reported telepathic experiences while engaged in psychedelic drug use. And he uh, searched the internet for these accounts and he got a hold of 14 individuals who reported these experiences and he just interviewed them and this is they had some very interesting things to say about it for example most of them reported that the, uh, these experiences were spontaneous unexpected uh, and when they tried to repeat them when they tried to make them happen intentionally for the most part it wasn't possible except for a couple of people who felt that they understood. Uh, one person described it as what you have to do is, is sort of squeeze through a sliver and, and then you can maintain a stable state of telepathic communication. One of the things that John Statt was interested in, of course, is did the person with whom you thought you were experiencing telepathy, did they acknowledge it? Did they agree with you? I think this is important because I remember in one of my very first psychedelic experiences back in the 1960s, I thought I heard in my mind a very clear voice of another person who was tripping with me at the time. And later, when I asked her about it, she denied having any awareness of it. So, uh, that's my <laughs> experience. But uh, what John Stat reported is that actually the people in his study said, yes, they checked it out with the other person and the other person agreed. They were engaged in telepathic communication. And I, I can accept that. I've had experiences where I thought I was engaged in telepathic communication, not on psychedelics and the other person agreed with me. In that instance, it was kind of like an opening up of all the chakras. Uh, it was very profound. And even though it happened over 50 years ago, I remember it vividly. The people uh, who engaged in telepathic experiences reported a, a wide range of phenomena. Now, uh, in several instances, what developed was a kind of erotic connection. And in a few of those, what you had is uh, people who were uh, homosexual who were getting turned on to people who were not. They were becoming intimate at an emotional level because they were taking psychedelic drugs together. But one person wanted to have sex and the other person didn't. And that was uncomfortable. And in fact, one person reported that he was telepathically aware of the other person's thoughts as they were scheming as, as, as to how to get this one into bed with them. And, and that was uncomfortable. Uh, and on another occasion, you had a, a person who was gay, uh, who felt intimate and close, in fact, love, a kind of platonic love with their partner under psychedelic drugs, uh, but then they found they were starting to get 
uh, erotically aroused, and that made them uncomfortable because uh, they didn't want to have that kind of an experience. Uh, you know, it was taking it out of the Platonic realm. And so, obviously, what happens when you open up in this way with people, you're going to encounter your own stuff. And that becomes uh, an issue, especially for people who have privacy issues, because there is this sense when you're communicating telepathically, you're kind of naked. All your thoughts are open to uh, the other person. Now, many people reported that that was just fine, because under psychedelics, you enter into a place where you can look at your own stuff without judgment. You can just accept it for who you are. It's part of the cosmic game. And, and you're detached. You're in an enlightened state of mind, actually. And, and you know that you're not judging yourself and no one is judging you either. You're not judging the other person, but you see everything and you know that you're being seen. And that's positive. Uh, for some people, if they are at that level of maturity, not everybody gets there. Some people feel like their privacy is truly being invaded by this telepathy and they don't want anything to do with it. Now, the key is this, according to Petter Johnstadt, what are we going to do about this? How can we take this research further? And, uh, he points out that, uh, there are all kinds of guidelines in the parapsychology literature for if you want to work with psychedelics, pay attention to the set and the setting. And Johnstadt suggests that actually this approach is all wrong. He's suggesting a new approach, and I'll share it with you briefly. He's basically saying, you know, don't come on like Mr. Experimenter, I'm going to yada, yada, yada. Instead, Treat it like you're an anthropologist. And in order to do that, you have to find people who are already using psychedelics and comfortable experiencing that telepathic state under psychedelics and able to enter into it consistently at will with a particular partner. Now, he acknowledges, John Stead acknowledges this is very rare. Such people are going to be very hard to find. But if you can find them, don't try and get them to submit to your experiment. Instead, slowly, gently get to know them, get to witness them, be a participant observer, and gradually you'll, they'll let you into their world. And you can explore it. And eventually, over time, as you get to know these people, you may be able to bring in third-party experimenters and really set up some well-controlled studies. But don't jump into it at all. Find out who these people are and engage them in ethnographic study. Now, of course, they may not be shamans from an exotic culture. They may be Norwegian college students, for all we know. Uh, the people in his study uh, were generally employed and had a wide variety of careers. So, the key is people who are experienced, comfortable, uh, and willing to uh, accommodate the uh, 
observations of researchers to get to know better how telepathy can and does operate occasionally uh, through psychedelic use. So, I want to thank Petter Johnstadt for uh, his insights and for his research. I'd thank him personally, but when I tried to find his email address, it wasn't available to me. I think he's making some headway into uh, our appreciation of the role that psychedelics can play. And I do think eventually we will have psychonauts, people who are very experienced in these realms and uh, who can use the uh, psychedelic drugs as, as a telescope, as a microscope for exploring the depths of the human psyche and maybe even also the bardo planes as described by the Tibetan Buddhists. Let me leave you with this question. How do you think you would do uh, experiencing telepathy on psychedelics? Would it be threatening to you? Would you begin to uh, not wish to have other people see your thoughts? Or could you look at yourself objectively without judgment and look at others that way and sustain that state of consciousness? What would it be like for you? Thank you for being with me.